And Father, as we go through the rest of this worship service, we continue to look to you. We continue to seek you for wisdom and for guidance in how to live. And so we, we come to your word. And we pray that you would speak to us again through your word, that you'd help us to see ourselves more clearly, help us to see you more clearly, and help us understand how to live the way you've called us to live. And so, Father, speak powerfully and clearly to us this morning, we ask, and we ask that you would remove anything that would distract us from hearing what you have to say. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing through Ecclesiastes. We're starting off on chapter 9, verse 13, and we're going through the end of chapter 10. So it's a little longer passage. We only have two more weeks left of Ecclesiastes. So, and then, uh, and then we're starting a new Advent series, which I'll be telling you about next week, but not yet. So let's look at our passage this morning. I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man, poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The heart of the wise inclines to the right but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as he walks along the road, the fool lacks sense and shows everyone how stupid he is. He doesn't mince words, does he? If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great errors to rest. There is an evil I've seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. I've seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before it's charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. Words from a wise man's mouth are gracious, but a fool is consumed by his own lips. At the beginning of his words are folly, at the end they are wicked madness, and the fool multiplies words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? A fool's work wearies him, and he does not know the way to town. Woe to you, O land, whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. If a man is lazy, the rafters sag. If his hands are idle, the house leaks. 
A feast is made for laughter and wine makes life merry, but money is the answer for everything. Do not, that's, he's saying that sarcastically, by the way. Do not revile the king, even in your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird in the sky may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Well, that about sums it up, doesn't it? <laughs> it doesn't matter what side of the political aisle you're on, everyone's going, Okay, Pete, what just happened? Right? I mean, it, it was an up-down roller coaster of a week. And I, and I wrote my sermon on Thursday, and at that point we still really had no idea who our president was. Now, yesterday they called it for Biden, and yet there's people still disputing it. And who knows when everybody will finally feel confident in that election. Um, and in the midst of all of this tumultuousness, I've been studying our passage. And when I study a passage, I just kind of read it over and over and over again. And certain lines stick out. And I kept reading this line. There, this is another one of those, this doesn't make sense. kind of right. He's been saying this over. I see this and it doesn't make any sense. There's an evil I've seen under the sun. The sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I've seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. And I keep thinking, (laughs) as I watch all of the political divisiveness, all of the political craziness going on, I think there are many fools in high positions. I mean, you, we can't get around it. That there are all these errors. He says, I've seen these errors that come and they only come from fools being in high positions. And we look at everything that's been happening this week. We have to see that there are many fools. Not all are fools in high positions, but there are many fools in high positions. We're, we're actually watching much of what we're, we're seeing written about in Ecclesiastes. We're watching this just play out right before our eyes, this entire book. And I have to say, I did not realize this when I picked the book. You know, I, I wouldn't, I can't say it's lucky, it's God's providence, but I picked the book, I thought, oh, it'd be fun to, fun to preach through Ecclesiastes. And I'm reading through this going, whoa, the Bible is not irrelevant And then he goes on after talking about, I see this, I look at all the rulers and and there's fools in all these high positions. And then he says, woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. And when he says woe, it's not just he's saying pay attention. A woe is actually the opposite of a blessing. It's a curse. And so he's writing, he says, when your country has a ruler that's a child, who's immature, not ready to lead, you are a cursed nation. When your leaders are children, you are under a curse. When, when your leaders feast in the morning, which means they're lazy, They don't wait to eat until after a good day's work. They just get up, skip work, and start to partying. He says, when that happens in your country, your country is cursed. It's under the judgment of God. And, and, you know, about four years ago, when, when, uh, 
the election between Trump and Clinton was going on. And, and you know, we I know people who voted for both of them, but none of them were happy about either vote, right? And even this year, I know not many people are happy with whoever they voted for. But, but there was this quote going around um, from John Calvin saying, when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. And I, I've never actually read that in one of his books, but here's, here's what he wrote in Romans 13. And, and answering the question that many people have asked over the years. Some are asking it now, some were asking it back when Trump was elected, but why? We read in Romans 13, God puts them in authority. Why would God put some of these people in authority? And Calvin says this, Oh, I have that. For since a wicked prince is the Lord's scourge to punish the sins of the people, let us remember that it happens through our fault that this excellent blessing of God has turned into a curse. That's a lot more pointed. God does judge nations by giving them wicked rulers. But Calvin says what we need to do is we need to look at our own hearts. It's a call to repentance. When we see, when we look and we say, oh, our nation is full of wicked rulers, we shouldn't just whine about it. He says, this is actually a sign to us that we need to repent. That we are under the judgment of God. And when you fall under the judgment of God, you own your sin, you repent, and you turn back to Him. Um, it, it's a sign. I really believe. I, I was talking to Don this last week, and he was—he's been reading a bunch of things from the Reformation. And you know, during the Reformation, there was plague after plague after plague after plague. And what did they say during that time? These are signs telling us to repent and turn back to God. I think there's something to that in COVID. And now we've got wicked rulers and saying it's a sign: repent, turn back to God. We've got two things telling us we need to repent. And that begins here, in our own heart. Not just looking at everyone else. You all need to repent, but I'm good. No, 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 no. The repentance starts right here in your own heart, and it starts right here in this church. And, and we got this way as a country and because we've been... Fools. That's what that's what he tells us in Ecclesiastes. One of the themes of, of our passage today is that a little foolishness outweighs wisdom and honor. And he says it. He says, a dead fly gives perfume a bad smell. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And and he says you can make this, you know, back then they would make these huge batches of perfume and ointment and a fly would get in there and die and it'd make the whole thing go bad. Just like one bad apple spoils the whole bunch, right? That's our modern day proverb. He says, just a little folly outweighs wisdom and, and honor. Just a little bit can throw everything off the rails. And he also says, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Wisdom is powerful. Wisdom is a good thing that God has given us, but just a little folly, one sinner just a step in the wrong direction throws everything for a loop. 
you know, and a couple of weeks ago we talked about wisdom and we were talking about how wisdom's not everything. And after the service I was talking with Simon and we were talking about King Solomon, right? King Solomon's known as being the wise king, right? And uh, I haven't mentioned this yet because we don't really know for sure, but most, a lot of people think that Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. We don't know that for sure because... The author of Ecclesiastes never says who he is. He just calls himself the teacher. But there's a lot of things that kind of point to the fact that Solomon wrote this book. And it would make sense if the wisest guy that ever lived would write a book of wisdom for us, right? Um, But here's, I want to, I want to just think through things for a little bit. For a moment, just suppose that King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. And suppose for a moment that he wrote it kind of toward the end of his life and he's reflecting back on his life, okay? And so how did his life start? He kind of comes onto the scene in the Bible. He got, he's made king, right? Right after David. And, and, uh, he, he went to worship God at the beginning of being a king and God appears to him in a dream and God says, ask for whatever you want me to give you. I mean, what a thing for God to say. And Solomon says something like, I don't have the, I'm not going to quote it exactly, but something like, whew, you just made me king over this whole country. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> I, these are your people, God, and I don't know what to do, so just please give me some wisdom so I can not mess this up so bad. Right? I mean, if you've ever been a parent, you have prayed that prayer. Right? I mean, that is the life of a parent is repeatedly going, I don't know. Lord, just help. Right? Also, it is the life of a pastor, just so you know. <laughs> I don't know. Just help me not mess this up too bad. And so we do this, Solomon and parents and pastors and all of us, right? Cry out for wisdom continually. Lord, help, because I don't know. And so God blesses that. God says, okay, Solomon, I will do what you've asked. I'll give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you nor will there ever be. Moreover, I'll give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. So God blesses Solomon and he says, now this is the Lord our God saying to Solomon, I will make you the wisest person that ever has been or ever will be. The wisest man ever to live is Solomon. It comes right from the words of God. And yet, how does Solomon's life end? I mean, I remember kind of putting these two pieces together a number of years ago, reading through my Bible, and I came to this passage at kind of at the end of Solomon's life. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They are from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites You must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. But nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And guess what? His wives led him astray, just like the Lord told him. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. And I remember reading that, and I put down my Bible, and I went, 
Well, that's not very wise. Right? I mean, that's the wisest man to ever live, and that sounds kind of dumb. But now picture Solomon coming to the end of his life and looking back on everything and reflecting on how in the world did this happen? And he writes in Ecclesiastes, a little folly, a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. That's how he fell. A little folly. Wisest man to ever live, but he said, I'll be a little foolish. I'll taste a little foolishness. And it went off the rails from that point. The Apostle Paul says a little leaven leavens a whole batch of dough. Because once folly gets in, things go from bad to worse. Um, He says, the heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. It's always a dangerous passage to quote during an election season, right? Because Republicans, Republicans always get a little like grin on their face, like, <laughs> see, the, the heart of the wise inclines. Yeah, that's not what he's saying. It may be funny, but it's not what he's saying. What he's saying is the heart of the wise person is walking to the right and the heart of the fool is walking to the left. They're going in opposite directions. You can't be doing both at the same time. The heart of the wise is heading east and the heart of the fool is heading west. And as soon as you take one step to the left or one step to the west, you're already walking away from wisdom and down the path of foolishness. Because a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Just a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. He goes on and says, even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and they show everyone how stupid they are. And what his point is, he says, you take a step down the road of foolishness and then you take that foolishness with you wherever you go. You can't say, I will be a little foolish in this little aspect of my life. A little foolishness outweighs wisdom and honor and it goes with you wherever you go. You will take your foolishness with you to work and everyone will know. They'll see it coming from a mile away. You'll take your foolishness with you into the grocery store and everyone will see it. You'll take your foolishness with you while you drive down the road and trust me, everyone will see it. You'll take your foolishness with you when you open your mouth and everyone will see it. Which is why he goes on, he says, words from the mouth of the wise, they're gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning, their words are folly, and at the end, it's even worse, they're wicked madness. And guess what? And fools multiply words. They just keep on talking and making it worse. No one knows what's coming. Who can tell someone else that what will happen after him? And toil of fools weary them. They do not know the way to town. Come up with excuses. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to take out the trash. <laughs> I don't know how to do the laundry. It says the foolishness goes with them. Wherever they go, it com- foolishness comes out of their mouth. Foolishness affects the way they think. Foolishness goes with them when they go to work and everyone sees it from a mile away. Because a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And, and the theme keeps coming up that a little foolishness doesn't end well, right? Or bluntly, stupid doesn't work. 
We may think it's going to work for a little bit. We may think we're going to get away with it. And yet, in the long run, it doesn't happen. And so he says, whoever digs a pit is going to fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. says, eventually this hole that you're digging, you're going to fall into it. Eventually. If you're not smart while you're working with big rocks and big logs, you're going to get hurt. If you're not smart enough to sharpen your axe before you start swinging it at the tree, your body will give out before the tree gives out. Right? I think it was Abraham Lincoln. I don't know who it was, but he's attributed as saying, if you're given six hours to cut down a tree, spend the four, first four hours sharpening your axe. But if you're a fool, you'll just swing away. It's not working. Let me try harder. Let me get a bigger hammer and some duct tape. And and we know these things, but we still do it. I mean, we know that the thing that we're doing is foolish, but we think, well, a little foolishness isn't going to hurt anyone. But it is. I I decided to write my own proverb this week. Um, Coming from my own life experience... I'll tell it to you and then I'll explain it. The fool decides to use his back rather than a jack. It even rhymes. Um, because back, you know, back when I had my dock business, I used to work with a lot of heavy equipment, right? Big, heavy steel docks, big, heavy steel boat lifts. And we had all this equipment to help with this heavy lift. We had floats and wheels and jacks and winches and straps and trucks and four-wheelers and you name it. And But... A winch is really slow, and having to run all the way up and grab a strap takes a long time, or to grab a jack. And so there were so many times when my brother and I would look at the boat lift, look at the truck. We don't need a jack, right? We can just lift it. Yeah, we're fine. We can do it on our own. We, it's probably not real smart. We should probably go get the jack, but we can just lift it. We'll be fine. Sometimes it was quicker. Sometimes it definitely wasn't quicker. And yet now, ten years later, a little foolishness outweighs wisdom and honor, and here I'm dealing with back issues. Because I was an idiot. Because a little foolishness maybe pays in the short term, maybe help me get a job done five minutes quicker, but will force me to live with back issues for years. Which is why he says, wisdom is better than strength. Dummy. (laughs) Just because you're strong enough to do something doesn't mean you should do it. And so he says we should not embrace a little bit of folly. That, that should never be on the table for us. Like, oh, I can just be a little foolish. No. A little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Don't just settle for that. Because once you start going down that track, it's really hard to come back. You start heading to the left away from wisdom and you keep heading down that road. But there's things that kind of go underneath foolishness and something we don't always talk about. We kind of joke about, our, you know, I'll joke about me being stupid and, and doing things. But underneath it, there's something even deeper going on when we act like a fool. And we find that out in the book of Psalms. It says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. 
They're corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There's no one who does good. That's what's going on. Every time we do something foolish, we're either saying or acting as if there is no God. When I try to lift a boat lift that I should not try to lift, I'm trying to act like I am stronger than I am and I am more like God than I am. I'm living as if there is no God. When I, when I think I can foolishly dabble in a little bit of sin, I'm acting like a fool because I'm acting for a moment like there is no God. And to reject God and to say there is no God is the epitome of foolishness. And that's what Solomon found out, didn't he? I'm going to taste a little bit of foolishness. God told me that if I start marrying these other women, it's not going to end well for me, but I'm going to try it a little bit. And then he has, you know, 700 wives and 300 concubines. Just a little bit. And what happened? His heart drifted away from God. And the crazy thing is, the wisest man who has ever lived ended his life as a fool. Because he lived as if there was no God. Because a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And one sinner destroys a lot of good. And on the other hand, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, the fool lives as if there is no God, but the wise person recognizes God and fears, is reverently in awe of God and then follows Him. The, the, the wise said, I'm not going to taste any of this foolishness because there is a God and I'm going to follow Him. And, and the, the wise man or wise woman recognizes that a little folly outweighs a lot of wisdom and honor. And they recognize that one sinner destroys a lot of good. And so they keep their eyes on the Lord and they follow Him and they seek to glorify Him in everything they do. Not settling for any foolishness in our lives. Seeking to live wisely. And Scripture tells us if we really want to live wisely in the world, we have to seek Christ. It says Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. It says that Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. If you want wisdom, seek Christ. If you've fallen into this trap of folly, you recognize that there's some foolish things going on in your life, even if it's just a little bit of foolishness, repent. Seek Christ. That's where we find wisdom and salvation. As, as a country, we need to stop rejecting God. We need to turn and we need to seek Christ where there is wisdom and honor. We need to repent of all of the little foolish things that we've done and we need to seek Christ. We need to repent. Because a little folly in our own life will outweigh years of wisdom and honor. A little folly in our congregation will outweigh years of wisdom and honor. A little folly in our nation will outweigh years of wisdom and honor. And yet we can repent. And we can look to Christ. And we can find wisdom. And when we find wisdom in Christ, more comes with it. First Corinthians says it's because of Him, because of God, that you're in Christ who has become for us wisdom from God. And then he says, here's what that means. That is, Christ is our righteousness, Christ is our holiness, and Christ is our redemption. You see, when we repent of our foolishness and we look to Christ for salvation and wisdom, 
We're united to Christ in His life, His death, and His resurrection. And then with it comes righteousness. All of our foolish wickedness is brought under the cross of Christ and in turn we're given the righteousness of Christ. All of our foolish corruption is brought under the cross of Christ and we're given the holiness of Christ. And thank God, all of our foolish decisions and actions of our past are brought under the cross of Christ and redeemed and used for our own good and for His glory. And so we, if we want wisdom, we seek Christ. And if we've fallen into foolishness, we repent and we seek Christ because that is wisdom in this world. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we are so thankful for your wisdom and your power and your might and your grace and your mercy. We, we look at our own lives and we recognize that we are fools and we repeatedly do foolish things and we repeatedly do things that and act like you're not God. And so we need your forgiveness. We need your redemption and we need your righteousness. So, Father, we come before you and we ask your forgiveness. Forgive us for our own foolishness and forgive us for our rejection from you. But then, Father, work in us so that we stop making foolish decisions. So that we keep our eyes on you and live in a way that brings you glory. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Grant us wisdom, grant us power to walk in step with your will. And may we live the wise life that you've created us to live in Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.